0: Smoke some crack.
1: What's the use of that? I'm
2: gonna listen to dopey. I'm gonna get my fix. But the hell with it, I'm gonna listen to dopey.
3: This dopey, dopey podcast That's coming in your ear With heroin, Academy sobriety, and beer Dave and that other guy, you know The hot one, everybody wants to fuck Just thought I'd throw in a visual for the listeners Now you know Good luck So pull up a chair, start the car, let's get on the road, hey let's go, the Dopey Podcast is starting up, welcome to the show.
4: to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, and I am Dave, and it's very exciting. We have an old friend of the show, old friend and employer of Chris's, the one, the only, the great, illustrious Joe Schrank. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Super happy to be here. Sorry uh, Chris is not with us, because uh, I'm sure you are, but here we are. You wanna hear something amazing that Chris would be incredibly excited about? What's that? I would say in an hour, we're gonna have a million downloads. Really? Yeah. It's that's it's, amazing. It's an illustrious evening in the history of Dopey.
5: <laughs> who are who are these people downloading this?
4: The Dopey Nation, Joe. You know you're all over Nation. that shit. Okay.
5: No, I know. You know, I just did a video for uh, Now This, and it was one of my rants about how rehab doesn't do anything. Uh And uh, it got almost a million views. And I thought I was really, really, really cool. I thought I was like, you know, king shit. And then the um, Hello Kitty
4: Now
5: (laughs) got like 45 million views.
4: Listen, but Hello Kitty, Hello Kitty is like a really wide-reaching brand, and, like, six-year-olds are not... It, is,
5: and it, was like, <laughs> it was like the Hello Kitty restaurant or something. I forget what it was about, but it was... So it was me going on about what I think is important shit, about how rehab is, you know, and uh, I, it was pale in comparison. The number of views that I got as compared to Hello Kitty.
4: Well, you really just ruined my incredible night. I was really excited, man. <laughs> I'm still excited. <laughs> it's like,
5: imagine... No, I mean, to burst your balloon, I, I'm just... You know, I'm always amazed at... Um, I'm always amazed at that. This other guy who did a video about the same time I did, and I actually know this guy in a weird way, but he's a Jesuit priest, and his was about, uh, the, it was about uh, something on the border, one of the border towns, and his got
1: 18 million views. What did he say? Ah, you know, very Jesuit
5: priest things. We should welcome refugees like Jesus would have. And, um, you know, we should help them find work and so on and so forth. uh, So he got a big following. And I knew this guy because somebody went to grammar school with his brother-in-law.
4: So maybe we should get him on Dopey. Maybe that would really up the listeners or something.
5: If he posted a link.
4: No, if I got this Jesuit priest to come on Dopey, maybe that would like increase
5: well, look, I, downloads. You should get Jesuit priests. One of the things that the Jesuits are really into is social justice, and I think that part of my interest in drug policy
4: is the social justice aspect of it. So, yeah, you should get him. I can I can try to hook you up. I don't want the Jesuit priest. I, I want what I want is a real. What exactly? Like, forgive, forgive me because I'm a fucking idiot about a lot of things. Yeah. Social justice. What exactly is yeah. it?
5: Well, look, I think that there is um, unjust things in the world, as, there, as we all know, right? And the question is, why is so much of it focused on drug policy? So in other words, I, and I've been in this for a million years as a social worker, as a recovering person myself. I started websites. I've done nine trillion interventions, rehabs, the whole deal. I mean, and as, as near as I can figure out, I can't exactly figure out what drug use is, but I can tell you what it's not. It is not crime, Right. Right. So whatever it is, okay, it's a bad health decision. So is McDonald's. But we don't shoot people because they went to McDonald's. And so the idea that we have people in jail, they are incarcerated and removed from their families and removed from society because they are drug users is inherently wrong. The fact that they up the ante into those – most of those folks are black or brown men is wrong. You know, those are just – wrongs that need to be righted into, uh, in, in the world. And so that's what social justice is. Let's find a more just way of dealing with those right. of
4: things. You know, this morning I was, I was actually driving to uh, a meeting It was the first time I had been to a meeting in a few weeks with the holidays and all this <coughs> stuff. And I yeah. was driving to a meeting and I was thinking about you coming on the show and I was, and I was thinking about legal weed And uh, and I was just like for a second, I was I was just thinking about, you know, how like this is going to sound so stupid. But you know how like when you think about what you're going to post on social media, like you think of the dumb things that you can say for social media and they pop into your head. And it was like I kind of had this thought about like how I picked the wrong time to get clean now that weed is about to be sold legally in Manhattan or whatever, you know, and just like and then I have this sort of like built in resentment against the fact that uh, that people get to go to the store to buy Bud or whatever. Just uh-huh. like this sort of, like, I'm missing out yeah. on something. But then it hit yeah. me, like, kind of social justice without really registering it as social justice, which is why should anybody get locked up for, for buying Bud? You know, it's like, you know, and it's well, obvious. That's
5: exactly correct. And look, and again, I don't know whether an individual ingests uh, cannabis or – not, or whether it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, or whether somebody decides they, they want to participate in any form of intoxication or not, that doesn't really have a lot to do with the law. Um, right. It has more to do with their personal life or their family system or their, their health or well, why are they doing it or is it just recreation or is it tipping into something negative? But I hear you. I mean, look, I, fuck, man, I'd go to and they're older now, but I, I remember I went to the kindergarten parent night and these people were like, Oh my God, it's just so stressful. Do you care if we have wine? And I was like, I do actually do you care if I smoke crack. Like, yeah, I think it's weird, but really the
4: truth is I was just pissed. Cause I couldn't get drunk. Did you say that? I did.
5: I'm wildly unpopular. At,
4: when was you know, this? At when did you say such a thing?
5: <laughs> well, I'm, he's 14 now. So I guess nine years ago.
4: Yeah. So, would you say that? Could you imagine saying something like that now, or do you think that was just uh, a different iteration of Joe Schrank?
5: No, I think I would probably say the same thing now. It might even get worse because now I'm almost fifty. You know how old people just they They get crazy. All yeah, they get crazier.
4: Totally. You know what? They
5: care less.
1: So
4: you know what really like it boggles my mind a little bit, and it's it's pretty much meaningless, but it boggles my mind anyway. I remember. When uh, when Chris was at my apartment on the Lower East Side, and he was yeah. so excited that you were going to come on the first time, yeah. and we yeah. went downstairs, and I think we met you at the supermarket or someplace on that <laughs> it street.
1: Some, it was somewhere outside. Yeah. yeah, it was something weird. And then I remember, oh, for, yeah, yeah, no, I remember this. Yeah, for some reason,
4: I remember going upstairs with you, and then we sat down and we recorded the show. And like we, we, you know, I've had a bunch of old time guests on recently. And and I can't help but just reminisce about how we sat down in front of the laptop and we talked, you know, and like I never would have thought that Dopey would become uh, even what I mean, it's nothing, but it's still so much more than I thought it was going to be. You know what I mean?
5: That's interesting because I kind of thought it would. I mean, Chris told me that he just wanted to do this, is just to see and just for fun and whatever. And would I come on? I'm sure, of course. Why not? And um, I'm not surprised. I mean, look, a million downloads is a significant thing. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I'm sure it's
4: Hello like Kitty would be thing. pissed if if the next thing she released only got a million downloads, though.
5: I'm sure, for sure. Absolutely. And I'm sure that won't happen. I'm sure Hello Kitty probably starts at 5 million downloads.
4: Once the name Hello Kitty is there, it's probably like 12 million.
5: Um, Maybe you should change it to Hello Dopey.
4: That's an idea.
5: Maybe if you change the name of the podcast or somehow included Hello Kitty, uh, I don't know.
4: What I would be up for is replacing the nodding out guy with a Hello Kitty. So it was dopey, but the O was Hello Kitty's head. I would be totally into that for for this episode, maybe. But we could probably get sued. We could probably get sued for that. (laughs) Eh, They wouldn't sue you. For what? What are they going to sue you for? That's the thing about about lawsuits is they have to be actionable. People tell me that all the time. I'm going to sue you. I'm like, go ahead. What do you want? You know, size 14, uh, dirty Right. Right. Yeah. What are you you going to get? A box of frosted mini-wheats? You know, the question is this, Joe, because you know about this kind of stuff. Do you think Disney is aware of Dopey or no?
5: Walt Disney?
4: Not Walt himself. I mean, <laughs> the, the lawyers of Disney, do you think there's a, they're aware of a podcast? I don't podcast? know.
5: And this is interesting. You know, my brother-in-law is a big uh, executive at Disney. Um, and my sister listens to Dopey. Because she really liked Chris, and Chris drove her to the airport once when we were we were at friends in Connecticut, and he was at his place in um, whatever nearby in uh, Massachusetts, whatever it was. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's right there, Great Barrington. Anyways, yeah, Great Barrington, exactly. So he was at his place, and I couldn't do it for whatever reason. I ran off to find somebody in rehab or whatever I was doing, and so Chris took my sister to the airport. In New York, which so they spent a couple of hours together in um, the car, <clears throat> and she was absolutely devastated about this, as we all were. And so she listens to Dopey, so maybe her husband has
4: heard the Dopey podcast and reported you to their legal team. I don't know. Well, I would love to hear from them. Um, I don't know, I don't know because they can't sue well, me for you using violated disney in some way no but it's just because the the disney character the dopey dwarf or whatever you know chris did chris had never even heard of uh chris played stupid on so many things but one of the things he played stupid on was that he didn't he refused to acknowledge that snow white and the seven dwarves existed like he he pretended like he had never heard of it uh yeah that's bullshit yeah
1: yeah, of course that's ridiculous
4: now i I i have a bunch of stuff to talk to you about but okay. and, and this might seem very dark and something you don't want to do, but one of my favorite Chris stories, uh, Chris Dopey stories, you know, terrible stories, was when he was working for you, um, right? And that relapse in your house when he uh-huh. was running the house—it's like, <laughs>
5: yes, could yes. you
4: could you, you could you tell that story from your because you own the house? Could you tell that story from your perspective?
5: Well. From my perspective, and Chris well, was... Well, before
4: before you even tell it, why don't you give a little a little background? that Because you, you, Joe owned a, a sober house in Brooklyn, right? Right. I,
5: I had a sober living, a transitional living program in Brooklyn in a, in a converted law space. Um, it's still there, and it's now run by fucking idiots So stay away from that place at all costs. Um, but <clears throat> the... Um, and that's a whole other saga. But anyway, at this particular point, Chris was sort of my... Pilot fish, like you hang around with me and you help me through my day, it was pretty much his job description, which is good and bad, you know, um, I'm sure there were good things and there were bad things about it. And then he just sort of kind of moved through the system a little bit. And then he ended up being the house manager and reporting to me and he did a great job. And I thought he was terrific. And one of the things that I always really liked about Chris was that he was very smart and that goes a long way for me. Like one of my big prejudices is, is, uh, dumb people, you know, um, I understand their inherent worth and value, but I don't like. And so, um, Hmm. Chris, you know, I thought Chris was really smart and I always really liked him when, and then he, we expanded, we took some more space, right? So we were going to, um, uh, sort of fit tier three of when people were more independent livers and they were coming and going and they were more stable school at work or whatever they were doing. So Chris had moved down the block over there. Um, and when he relapsed, I always thought he wanted me to be more upset about it. than I was like, he sort of wanted me to be angry and resentful and I was neither. either. I was like, well, you know, um, I don't know, people get cancer and they're great for a while and then they have cancer again. And diabetics, you know, they don't always have the perfect blood sugar levels. So I was not angry in any way with Chris. It got to be a very weird thing between me and Chris's sister um, because she wanted him to come home and blah, blah, blah. And I wanted him to stay. I, I was not interested in firing Chris I was not interested in anything I was interested in uh, whatever man you know I don't I don't get mad at drug addicts for acting like drug addicts that's stupid that's you know why do we want to complain that the lake is wet that it is what it is and I don't expect young guys with a history of issues to not have issues right so let's get back on track and then it kind of got to be this power play between me and um, and his sister and then I was like look I got a custody battle I'm not I'm not fighting you for custody of Chris
1: so why don't you come get him so it was much more of that kind of a situation than any surprise. Oh that's
4: not the story I wanted to hear I wanted to hear the yeah, actual hear? the actual story of what he <laughs> like, did at the end of his time at like, the house
5: Oh whatever he took the psychiatrist's credit card <laughs> which was like and the psychiatrist who's a very nice guy and a very smart guy and he's very dedicated but a little more easily rattled than I would be I was like well cancel the credit card like is this insurmountable didn't you go, didn't you go to medical school you must you must know oh, there's a, a system for this but um, so that was not great he kind of left me with the lease which was also not great um, it's not the best marketing. Uh, that the house manager is
4: currently uh, using drugs with people that's probably not what I understood racist. was that he locked himself into his room, he confiscated yeah. a bunch of ecstasy off of people, wound up uh-huh. taking the ecstasy while surrounded by their urine bottles and and tripped uh-huh. out and then and then shot dope and and shot uh-huh. coke <laughs> in that room yeah. on ecstasy. It was just like the yeah. t- for me. And I remember because I, I had met Chris yeah. in rehab and I was clean at the time and he called right. me and he was like, do you want to trip acid with me while he was running your house? And I was like, no, I'm clean. And he goes, fuck That's it. Right. Let's, let's just do dope. And I was like, no, no. You know, but it was like when he told me that story about your house in that room, because he's told me a million stories, you know, on the show and off the show and whatever. <sighs> I just found something about that story just to be like the the I don't know the the most telling perfect dopey story of the house manager locking himself into the room of the house. Well, and look, taking I mean, your
5: sh- your show is about the insanity of addiction and the the crazy places that that takes
4: people. Right, right,
5: absolutely. That is one of the crazy places that that took. People too, and look, Chris's job after that happened. Chris's job was going to be over. I wasn't ready to quit on Chris. I was like, "Well, we'll figure it out, Chris. You can't be in charge anymore." You know, I didn't exactly hear that he had dropped acid in front of everybody's urine screen, but I don't. You know, I mean, I don't doubt it. Um, I heard a couple of different incarnations and versions of that story. If And silver livings are nothing without gossip. Of course. So I didn't really, you know, I don't really pay a lot of attention to it. Um, I heard all kinds of things about credit. My, my thing, my, my primary concern was the safety, um, not stepping into, family dynamic. Like I don't want to sign up for problems. I have my own crazy family dynamic. I don't need to take on other people's. Um I will say I advised his girlfriend. I was like, look, honey, you're young and cute. You should run. Like don't, you know, don't don't drag yourself down with this shit. And then I saw her on Facebook she has a baby now. So I hope it
4: worked out. Yeah, she became some sort of hardcore converted Jew and has a nice Jewish baby. Oh, is he, that right?
5: I didn't
4: know that. it's like
5: I didn't know she him and converted she's no. like a Hasidim. yeah yeah she and chris brooklyn. chris
4: would constantly text her about yarmulke sales in brooklyn and just stuff <laughs> like that he would just constantly because he loved her you know he couldn't let it go you know what i mean even when it was so, over and you know, he had his own you know he had, it was with annie and she was engaged he still was texting her with yarmulke sales because that's how chris was you know
5: i got it you, you know, know i didn't realize that she um she uh you know jumped into a phenomenal f- religious sect.
4: Yeah, but she was, she was very sweet. She was very why sweet. Why not
5: why she could have been Amish or
4: um, or Mennonite like or yeah,
5: Mennonite like a Mormon cult compound something
4: like that. Well, she worked on the upper east side and upper east side nannies have fascinations with rich Jewish people. It's all it's all built in. It's it's all built in. But she's a sweet girl. I I met her.
5: No, she is. She was smart. I mean, I liked her. I thought she was great. I just I and and I didn't want to speak badly of Chris. I just wanted to, you know, give them the benefit of my experience that statistically this wasn't going to go well. And, you know, I think that one of the biggest addictions that we overlook is the addiction to addicts. And I hear it all the time from wives and girlfriends about how crazy the husband and He's this. He's that. He's the other. Well, what's crazier? I don't know. Dating one that might be crazier than being one. You know, right? Right. And, and
4: that
5: like, might, like, like, willingly do it because I do think that there's a there's an element of being an addicted person that is outside your will. If you actually sign on to join into that kind of chaos, there's you need to look at yourself internally.
4: Right, so people, and that's codependency, right? Being addicted to an addict, is that just codependency? Um,
5: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's one uh, phrase. Sure, that, that applies.
4: You like to call it, simple. though, being addicted to an addict. I'm sure there's a shitload of people who are listening. It turns out there's a lot of people who are listening to the show aren't addicts, and they have loved ones or, yeah. or whatever. So. Yeah, no,
5: I believe that they are looking for answers, and they're looking for insight into the person. I thought that I should do a—maybe I can do a segment for you of call me, and I'll, I'll interpret what they're saying for you.
4: Okay, so how do we set that up?
5: I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm almost 50. I can't—I can— Talk on the phone and answer email. That's
4: it. So Chris said you weren't even that good at that. He said you were good at no. answering the phone, but he had to answer emails for you a lot. Um, so let's put it out there. Dopey Nation, if you have an issue with a loved one, uh, yeah. reach out and, and we'll do a little Call Joe segment and Joe can Any give you... A little
5: Call Joe segment or, or email. I'm happy to answer an email. And you can read them. Um, but I'm pretty good at trying to articulate what what, it, uh, what the impaired person is trying to say.
4: So... All right, so I mean, we'll give it a sure shot. Though. Yeah. Now, now, if you yeah. guys don't know, Joe's current gig is he runs a, a treatment facility in Northern California. Is it in San Francisco?
5: Yeah, in San Francisco. In San that's Francisco,
4: right. it's called High Sobriety. And no, 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 it,
5: High Sobriety's in Los Angeles. They're dicks too. Fuck them. No, fuck this them. Is called,
4: oh God, yeah, forgive remedy.
5: me. This is Remedy Recovery.
4: Dude, look at me. Should I, should I back up? Tell me no, to back up. <laughs> back up.
5: No, it's Remedy Recovery.
4: So Joe's working – Is you own that place too? I do, yep. So Joe owns a place in Northern California in San Francisco called Remedy Recovery. And the thing about Remedy Recovery is it's designed to help opiate addicts uh, achieve some kind of non-opioid taking state through the wonders of THC and marijuana. True?
5: Well, uh, yes, Partially we're a medication assisted recovery program. So buprenorphine, you know, the injectable, the subcutaneous, the film, whatever it is, you work that out with your doctor, but we are not taking cannabis off the table as a medical intervention. Right. So lots of different people use it for lots of different things, whether it's, you know, inflammation, there's all kinds of reasons. But one of the things that one of the the pushback I get and the heat is, well, they just want to get high. Like, well, yeah, that's, that is what they want to do. So, um, I'm not opposed to people using it for recreational purposes. The reason that I like cannabis and I am not a consumer of it is because when we get fractured people with a history of, uh, substance misuse, the stakes are very low for misusing cannabis. Right. Um, so there's not a lethal point of ingestion. I don't know. I guess somebody might laugh their head off or know, a bale of it could fall on them. Maybe the DEA could come through the door. They could shoot them. There are some negative things. And it's not to say that cannabis is without risk. One of my theories about rehab and why it's not effective is that we don't respect pacing. And one of the ways that we can pace is by allowing some room for uh, cannabis use while people get their lives together and move away from from impaired or lethal drug use, and it's not just opiates; it's also alcohol. There's a lot of different reasons that people come in. So, kind of harm reduction. We're definitely medication assisted. When people call, them, they're like, "Well, I think." I should pray and go to AA. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not opposed to it. There's 10,000 rehabs in the country that will indoctrinate you into that theory. I'm happy to help you find one. But that's not what we are. We are a medication-assisted program. There is no shame. Um, I think that the medication continues on in perpetuity. In the same way uh, a diabetic can have some success with diet exercise and behavioral changes but they're probably still going to be on medication and that's actually the truth about opiate addiction behavioral changes behavioral modification faith all those are great and valid things people still don't need to be medicated and in my view jesus gave us smart people to figure out medication so you're not being
4: um Well, but obviously, I mean, I don't know anything, I don't know know, anything about diabetes and I don't know anything about Moses or, or Jesus. I don't (laughs) know anything about any of it, but I do know that I was addicted to opioids and now I'm not. I'm not currently on them and I'm not taking anything. I mean, I, I yeah. eat too much chocolate. Yeah, yeah, I drink yeah. too much soda, yeah. whatever.
5: Well, look, and that's, that's great. But for every one of you, there are, are, there, are so, there are thousands and thousands of people who don't share your story. And so from looking at it as a policy level, it's it's about numbers and it's about data. I would never advise to you start smoking pot. I'm like, well, you know, my my thing is you're doing great. Why? Why? You know, why change horses? You know, I have this.
4: I have you know, we do this Twitter account and uh, and really bunch of very nice people on the dopey Twitter account. And yeah. there's one dude who uh, regular listener. He has, uh, I think he has three years off of heroin, right? He has a family, he has a little kid, and yeah. uh, he's been on Suboxone the whole time. and right. And now he wants to get off Suboxone, you know? Mm-hmm. And for what
5: reason?
4: Uh, because he doesn't want to be on it anymore, you know?
5: He, no, well, I, too bad. Diabetics don't want to be on insulin.
4: I know. Yeah. I was on methadone for many years. I didn't want to be yeah. on it anymore. Uh, wh- what What is the difference? Like, I don't know about chemically, but... I was never on Suboxone for a long time. How does it compare with being on Methadone for a long time? There's cultural differences for one. I mean, you take it in the privacy
5: of your own home and you can do a monthly injectable. You don't have to go to a clinic for it. So I think that that's a big difference. The actual biochemistry, I don't understand. But you could have Dr. Bienenfeld on to explain it to the Dopey Nation if you'd like. He'll tell you all about it. He's a great dude. He knew Chris.
4: No, but I guess what I'm asking is I know that when I would take methadone, I would feel a little, you know, I felt way different than I feel now. And I also took Suboxone enough to know that it changed how I felt, you know, like it made me feel different. It made me feel, you know, if I took it right now, I'd get high as shit. If I took it when I had a habit, um... I, I felt different, you know, and I think that this guy in Canada with three years off of heroin wants to experience life without it, right. you know,
5: look, and I think that that is a viable choice.
4: Of course, he, he has
5: the right to self-determine if that's what he wants to do. He can try and see how that goes. I think it's a risk. Of course. You know, I think he's taking a risk and I think he needs to be conscious of it. And I think he needs to have a plan if it doesn't work out.
4: Well, I think that's you know? the scary thing to me about the whole medicated assisted treatment thing. Because I, you know, and I'm not, I did not have you on the show to debate with you. I do not think that I could fare well in a debate. Like I just have, no, I just have my my experience and my opinion and I don't, you know, it's just mine because I also like, Whenever I did medicated assisted treatment, I wound up on dope. Whenever I did it, I wound yeah. up taking pills. I never stuck to a plan. I always right. abused drugs right. with it.
5: Well, and so that's look, medication assistance is only as effective as compliance with the plan.
4: Right. So I was it not really compliant. Work if,
5: right,
4: yeah. and, and then that's so and, and I assume like that most well. I assume that many junkies and many drug users would have similar issues that I did because I was defiant and I loved to get high and I felt like once I put something yeah. in me like like I I could put something else in me. That's why I advocate for uh abstinence yeah. because I first of all and I know I'm the statistics don't back up my 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 thinking but like I just right. think anybody could do it. I think people, like, if they really tried to do it and committed themselves to do it, they could. And then they wouldn't have to worry about getting off Suboxone. And look, here's the thing with that is people give me that
5: that all the time that I'm not um, supportive of abstinence. I've been abstinent for 22 years. I know. I don't know how much more supportive I could be. You know, what I want to do or what I'm trying to do in this reinvention of rehab is create space for people to find their way, even if it's not the current paradigm. You know, I don't know that's true. I don't know that anybody can do it. I mean, that's the message, right? You didn't pray. You didn't do a four-step, like all that fucking crap. No, I did do that stuff. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. (laughs) That's what people are told when they're on medication is you're not really serious. That's a crutch. Like, right. you know, I'm pretty serious about lowering my cholesterol, but I'm probably going to take fucking Lipitor until I'm dead. Right. I don't know. So I don't, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. What I know is, you know, whatever it is, 150 people a day is unacceptable. We can do better than that. Right. You know, what I know, is, and I don't know this empirically, Chris medicated, maybe he's not dead. Maybe he's doing his, um, and I don't even know, maybe he was medicated, but maybe he's not, maybe he's just chugging away with his grad program. Right, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't have all the answers, but I know that this isn't right. I know that this sort of fever pitch of death, we can't just say, well, I guess we'll just keep telling people to go to AA.
4: Then, you know, that's like, that's just pure insanity. Well, what what the thing that I find a little, you know, that that I find weird is the idea that they should be medicated for the rest of their lives. Like, I like the idea of 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 medication saving lives. And I love the idea of people not having to die. You know, I love that idea. I don't love the idea that they, that like, it's like, okay, now you're on this and you never get off. Like it just, it's just like, I feel like it limits potential. I I
5: think it it may. And I think that the, uh, that's, that is the sort of hobgoblin of recovery right right i can never have another drink again right i don't know maybe you can right. when you're 45 but you're 22 right now and crashing cars you know I, i'm going to be on this for the rest of my life maybe may, i don't know maybe there's going to come a time where you're stable where you've been doing well you can talk to your doctor you can taper it down you can get off of it if, if it, there's a medical indication to do that so i think that it's you know look the the one day at a time that seems pretty universal. Right. <laughs> like at the moment you're doing well on medication. Let's not let's not fuck that up. Right. Right. That's a very classic that's a very classic thing with drug addicts. I'm doing well, so let's stop doing it.
4: Right. Right.
5: You know. Do you
4: think um, do you think that when people have a problem with it, it's mostly jealousy? What do you think it is like the stigma? I think my stigma is like I just get scared. I get scared for people. I get scared that people what is that? What's that?
5: Sorry, i mean, that's cookies. I,
4: I I could tell, I could hear the oh, cookies. Yeah. What kind of cookies are you?
5: My baby's mom, you know, she she's gonna talk to you too. She uh, so so let's let's wrap this up and we can get her on. But what do I what I think about medication is I think that people hold the recovery at the at a visceral faith based level, right? You wanna ruin a family meal, start talking religion or politics. And they hold it in that way. And I don't even think that they're wrong. What I think is wrong about it is the evangelical nature about it. This is how I recovered, so you have to recover that way too. That's when things become wrong. Right. You know, evangelical Christians will tell you that Hindus are going to hell uh, because they don't find faith the same way that they do. And it's like, no, I don't think 700 million people are going to hell because they don't, you know. um,
4: Share a belief.
5: Right, Pope Pius X issued a papal encyclical that evangelicalism is a sin. Other people have their own relationship with God, whether they're Jewish, whether they're Hindu, whatever it is, and and it is not for us to try to correct. And I think that there is a big faction of 12-step life out there who feels as though when somebody finds some other path, it negates them. I mean, what's the biggest mitzvah in twelve step life?
4: Passing Doing on. a twelve
5: step, yeah, exactly, right, yeah. So when somebody's like, "Hey, man, thanks, but no thanks," it's insulting and offensive to them. I get it. I understand. I just, you know, I feel like part of my. Role and purpose as um, an outspoken individual, and as a social worker, is to advocate for the island of misfit toys. Huh. You know that's great, right? That's great that you love Bill Wilson, or Jesus, or God, or whatever the fuck your your path is. That's wonderful. What about these people who aren't making it in that? Are just you know fuck them? Like there's nothing to do. We can't do anything for them. We can't, we can't look at improvement. We can't try to save their lives. That's the other thing I tell people all the time. Look, people on buprenorphine and, and cannabis, they give up both of those substances all the time, all the time. Right. You could in two years say, "Eh, I'm not going to smoke pot anymore. Right. People, people do, they make levels of achievement, um, at various ways. It's sort of the all or nothing. And, you know, I'm a bit of a research geek, but one of the, the number one reason that people get from not going to rehab is they don't believe that they can give up everything entirely forever. Right. They're unwilling to try.
4: Well, I mean, that's a, it's a scary thing when when you're addicted and when it's your life and when it's your lifestyle. The idea is, is fucking daunting. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I just like to put out there that like. You know, I hear what you're saying, and i and i and I really do enjoy talking to you, and I do enjoy yeah. your opinion, yeah. but you being somebody who's been clean twenty two years that got clean working right. the steps, you yes. i mean we can't That's listen correct. and I'm not saying. That it's it's the steps or it's medication or you're dead in the street. I think there's a million fucking ways to, to skin a cat or, yeah, yeah, or, or, or yeah, to yeah. do whatever. And sure, you never know sure. what the hell is going to happen. No, no. I just want our audience to know that if you're addicted to heroin, you don't necessarily need to stay addicted to heroin, nor do you need to necessarily take buprenorphine. Nor do you necessarily need to go to a meeting. The the fact of the matter is... That's
5: correct. Nor do you need to live in secrecy and shame if you do take buprenorphine.
4: Right. Right. The the fact of the matter is, though, that, like, you know, we just had this other kid, uh, big fan of the show. His name was Scott. When Chris and I had started making the show he would write in and and you know he was always struggling with heroin and he wound up going to treatment and his wife offered to send us brownies and chris like turned down the brownies and i was always angry at him for that but right. but recently uh he relapsed again and yeah, and, he, and he and yeah. he died you know and that's like i'm sure <sighs> i'm sure more people than i know about that listen to our show died and our audience is very much at risk so, which is why you got to come up with something, you know, it, well, it,
5: and that's one of my big messages is safety first, dead people find no recovery, right? I don't know people can enhance their recovery. They can change their recovery. They can, they can ramp up the volume and the recovery. They can do lots of things, but not if they're dead, that's dead. Right. So that's one of my big reasons that I am an advocate for um, medication, you know, for keeping people safe and then they can make changes. And let me close with just this brief example, <laughs> So I have this sponsee, right, this kid, and there's no dad, Um, and uh, he loves me, which is nice because, you know, when you have kids, (laughs) he calls me all the time, and and he loves meetings. He thinks it's wonderful. He fucking loves it, and I'm not going to tell this kid to smoke pot. I'm going to say, you're doing great. You're not drinking. Things are going better for you. You like the meetings. You like the guys in the meetings. Keep going. You know what I mean? Like I'm not on some mission to get people to not be abstinent. I'm on a mission to expand the tent of recovery. You want those people outside the tent pissing in, or inside the tent pissing out? You know. So I don't know. So you I want? Wish I had all so,
4: so the answer is you want them inside the tent pissing out, right?
5: That's right. You want okay. them in the tent pissing outside the tent. You don't want them outside the tent pissing into the tent.
4: Because you don't want anyone pissing in the tent. No. Right. Exactly. That's disgusting. Joe, all right
5: look i gotta i gotta i I mean and i'm happy to talk to you whenever but but uh but i know you want to talk to my baby's mom and um so she's here i'll just have her Well, have her you you want me to send you her number you want her to call you
4: here we got i want to do one last thing before you get off the phone it's going to take 30 seconds okay it's a little bit of a game show we've invented here on dopey called the stash word Okay, it's it's very much like the $24,000 pyramid where I'm going to describe something to you and you're going to tell me what it is I'm describing to you.
1: Okay.
4: Okay, you ready? We're going to start in five seconds because I need to watch the clock. Here we go. You ready? This is an expression often describing smoking PCP. You're, You're not dry, but you're. High? No, it's it's like when you when it rains on you, you're you're wet. You're getting wet. Okay. You're getting if if I take a hit of uh, of of weed and I blow yeah. it into your mouth, I am whatever. I
5: always thought that was gross.
4: Oh, dude, like, you're gonna you oh god damn it. Okay, another expression for a needle. When a junkie has to clean his needle, he calls it his. Rig. Sure. What's another word?
5: Um, his best friend.
4: Oh, Jesus Christ, Joe. I can't believe um, you run treatment. Okay, an expression... <laughs> I need to listen to yeah. the
5: kids in group more.
4: Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> what do the kids in group call the dealer these days?
5: They call him the dope man, the crack man. They call him...
4: Um, it's also another word that you use to plug your TV into the wall. It is a...
5: Your USB cord? All
4: right, we're done. <laughs> the expression is a plug. That's what they call oh, it, the plug. plug.
5: Okay. You know, look, I can't keep track of it. I just want them to pull up their pants for fuck's sake. Like, how long is that really going to go on?
4: I don't know. My I can't keep my pants up because I'm incredibly yeah. stylish. Um, Joe, right. thank you so much for yeah, calling no, in. I, I,
5: it was great to talk to you, and I'm, I'm always happy to talk to the Dopey Nation and, and uh, put it out there email me man I, you know I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody i'm happy to hear anything anyone who wants to be upset with me about my my medication assisted program feel free all
4: like right i'm sure i'm sure there'll be some people that are looking to sign right up and i'm sure we'll hear yeah. something and if you have any questions for a loved one ask joe send it yeah. in uh, adobe podcast at gmail.com Wait, let put,
5: and let me plug one thing yeah, plug you everything know, like right. I started I started The Fix, which is um, a complete and utter piece of shit now. And they're like, do you read it? I'm like, no. That would be like, oh, um, Hell's Angels is on the lawn raping your daughter. Do, do you want to watch that? I don't think so. So anyway, I started a new website called The Small Bow, and there will never be treatment center advertising on it under any circumstances for any reason. And half of the revenue goes to legal defense for young guys sitting in prison who have never seen a lawyer. Uh, on stupid drug charges so check that out the smallbow.com
4: how does the smallbow make money
5: subscription fees
4: nice you know i need you yeah. gotta teach me how to make money at this thing because i'm like fucking pissing in the tent or pissing in the wind or something <laughs> it's not working <laughs> yes. out all right. all right all right
5: well different conversation but let me um all right so lori will call in and you can talk to her about you can talk to her about media, women advocacy for recovery. She speaks a lot.
4: All right. Awesome.
5: She's writing a book. All
4: right. She's, give me, give me her. Uh, okay. So yeah, have her call in. And, she's uh, Fox News anchor, CNN, MSNBC, lots of different stuff. All right. All right. All right. I'm psyched. Cool. All right. Cool. All right. I'll send you her contact right now. All right. Cool. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Bye. Yep. Thank you. Bye. So that was the great Joe Schrank. Always exciting and controversial to have Joe on the show with his take on uh, medicated-assisted treatment and whatnot. And uh, Chris and I had talked about having this woman, Lori Dew, on the show since we had started doing the show. Um, So let's get her on. She's this big-time journalist. She can tell us all about her career. She was on Fox News, as Joe said. She worked with Geraldo, The Blaze, For the Record— and she is in recovery, and I know she's friends with Amy Dresner. So let's let's call her up. Fuck it, hold on. So here we go. Here's Lori Dew. Welcome to Dopey.
2: Hello, Mr. Dopey.
4: Did you know oh, I'm Dave? But did you know? Did no, you know, I know?
2: I'm just calling you Mr. Dopey.
4: See, I don't. I don't think I like that. When I was on uh, when no. I was on Drew's show, they, he or Bob, one of those shows, Drew's show or Bob Farr's show, they wrote Dopey Dave. And I was like, holy shit. You know, when it was me and Chris doing the show, I wasn't in danger of being Dopey Dave. You know, without Chris, somehow I've become Dopey Dave. And uh, I should embrace it, right? I should just embrace I, it.
2: I feel like you should because it, they just go together.
4: Dopey and Dave? Yeah, I'm fucked.
2: Dopey a, Dave or Mr. Dopey.
4: Jesus um, Christ. I, it's, I never even I, imagined that that could happen. But
2: I, you Seriously, you never thought Dopey and Dave went together?
4: I mean, like, listen, I I have a podcast called Dopey, and my name begins with a D, so the alliteration is sweet for a news person. I can imagine. It's just—so, Laurie, you have to know that Chris was dying to have you on the show.
2: I know, and I miss Chris so much, and I regret not doing the show um, Well, he he died. He
4: told me that he wrote you. And um, and I said and that you said you would do it and I was like well write her again and he would tell me that he was writing you again but then he would admit to me that he was lying and that he never wrote you again so he how many times well, would you say he it, asked it you it
2: should have been an easy an easy thing for me to do and boy am I sorry that that didn't happen and boy am I sorry that, that he died oh yeah it's just beyond awful
4: it's the worst uh, but that's... you
2: know this disease is. Um. Okay, Punic, cunning, baffling, patient, deadly—all that. It's it's also very unfair, and it feels so unfair when when someone so vibrant dies of this disease, and yet it happens every day, it happens too often every day, and it's it's strange. You you think when a, when a good friend dies, you think. How could this have happened when we know how it happens? It's just hard when it happens to a friend. Right. So God rest his soul.
4: Yes. And he was the best and he was also the worst, which is part of why it (laughs) happened. You know, but uh, he always said
2: die in vain. I think people can learn from these deaths. And uh, definitely that's, that's how I choose to look at it.
4: When I, I was crushed, obviously, you know, I'm still crushed yeah. about it. I still have dreams about it all the oh, time. Oh, sure. And um, I, when, I, when I told my sponsor about it, you know, he was very matter of fact and said that this is Chris carrying the message in the most powerful way. And that's the yeah. truth. You know, that's the total truth. Now, you have had an illustrious career as a journalist on TV, all three stations. Talk, talk a little bit about your, uh, your incredible career. I know you worked for Geraldo, and he's the man. I love Geraldo.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to encapsulate a 20-plus year career in, in, seven in a minute minutes, or two. In seven Yeah. Minutes.
4: Yeah, of
1: course.
2: But, you know, I for the longest time, I had the distinction of being the only anchor who had hosted shows on all three major cable news networks, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News. Now, there are a couple of other people who also have shared in that interesting distinction. Um, three different networks, three totally different different views of news, um, obviously. <laughs> and um it, it was a it was a terrific career. I enjoyed most of the assignments I had. And it was as amazing that I got as far as I got and was fairly successful in the business when I had oopsie a little drinking and drug problem right the whole time. And that, you know, that was my secret and so many of us who have this disease who are also super high-functioning um, lived a secret life, a double life, and I certainly was no exception. The the woman that a million or two people would see on any given night on TV was not the woman who stared back at me in the mirror right. when I went home.
4: A million years ago, I, I interviewed John McCain and I was high on heroin when I interviewed him.
2: Oh, wow.
4: Now, I remember Chris told me to – he always said we have to ask her about this one time that you interviewed somebody and you were totally altered. What was what was the highest no, profile altered no, – No. not true. I,
2: I was never drunk on the air. Okay. Um, however, I was drunk and high when I met President Bush. That
4: was the story. When yes. he was
2: president. So that's classy. Was he? Nothing says class. Oh, no, he's been sober since he was 40. And he knew? Um, No, he didn't know. Um, But I was blowing lines in my hotel room and always traveled with a bottle of vodka. So I was doing some vodka shots and some rails and then went down to meet the president at a private reception before the White House Correspondents' Dinner in, uh, I think it was 2004. So, you know, nothing, nothing says respect more than getting drunk and high before meeting the president. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's how serious this disease is. It doesn't matter that you're about to meet the leader of the free world it, it just doesn't matter. Of, of course I was going to be drunk and high.
4: Well, it almost adds to it. It almost adds to the legend of being able to do it in a weird, defiant, alcoholic, drug addict way.
2: Such an alcoholic way. And it's a chapter in the book I'm writing. So it's, it's actually was a definitive moment in my life. Um, and yet it wasn't the low point. You know, It's like, oh, OK, I was drunk and high when I met the president. But that wasn't the worst of it.
4: Well, what was the worst of it that got you back on track or that got you on the right track in the first place? Oh,
2: I was, I was never on track. I think, no, it's, it's interesting. People say it takes what it takes Uh to get sober. And I guess it did. I guess I needed to be out there doing research and development for all this extra time, even though I knew for the last 10 years or so that I needed to quit. I you know, I overdosed one night on a delightful combination of alcohol, cocaine, Xanax, and marijuana, which is just a great combo. Yeah. Uh, you got try. all your bases
4: covered. It's like, Got the, all your bases yeah.
2: covered. If I was feeling too skittish, I would smoke a little pot. If I got sleepy, I would do a little more blow. And all this took place in, you know, an eight-hour period or something. Absurd. And I was discovered face down on the floor of my kitchen uh, by my boyfriend at the time. And I don't remember any of it. I came to in the emergency room of Roosevelt Hospital in Manhattan. Yes. And I didn't know how I'd gotten there. Had no idea that an ambulance came and got me and they strapped me down to a gurney and they had to revive me and pop my stomach and all that great stuff. I don't, of course, I don't remember any of it. Um, but that didn't even get me sober. So, so,
4: so what would you, what would you say the, the moment? And of so, truth was? I mean,
2: the point I'm trying to make is that I OD'd one night and I kept drinking and drugging for two and a half more years. Right. That's how crazy the disease is. But a few things happened. And that led me to the decision that I would eventually make on March 14th, 2007 to put the plug in the jug, say no to blow.
4: Yes. I like and that plug in the jug. I like put that. Put the exercise. plug
2: in the jug, say no to blow,
4: and put the hearse in reverse. Put the hearse How in cheesy reverse. Is that, I like that. Right? Yeah. You're, you're yes, really I can't it. take credit for it. Um, a guy
2: in an AA meeting on the Upper East Side used to say that all the time, and I love it. Yeah. Plug in the jug and put the hearse in reverse, because you know the truth of the matter is I I would be dead like millions of us if we hadn't gotten sober.
4: Yeah, yeah, um, and so you you found, but what was you know what was the thought process? You just knew you had gone as far as you could go, and it was time to to find well, something else. Well, I figured
2: else. I was going to die.
4: Right. You
2: know, I thought I'm really not going to make it, and. You know, a few things happened. I got into a fight with the man I was dating who said he couldn't date me anymore because I drank and drugged too much. I got in a drunken fight with my father, who was also an alcoholic. And physically, I was absolutely exhausted and totally bankrupt just in every way. And um, I think maybe the happiest part of my decision to get sober was – my sister's pregnancy. So my sister was pregnant the the winter and spring and summer of 2007. And she was pregnant with the family's first grandchild. And I thought, you know what? I've got a reason to get sober now. I'm going to get sober for this unborn baby. And that's what I did. Wow. And
4: It's weird what, that, what the things that, that, that it kid, takes.
2: Yeah. And that kid is 11 and a half now. Amazing. And, uh, you know.
4: That's that's That's, awesome. Yep. And I saw – I think I saw online that you're friendly with the great Amy Dresner. True?
2: Amy Dresner is a new friend of mine. We bonded at the She Recovers conference. We were both keynote speakers. Amy absolutely brought the house down. She is one of the funniest people I've ever known, and that's saying something.
4: Right. And she's, she's awesome. You clever. know, today today is her she's, six year anniversary.
2: Yeah, let's give Amy Dresner a shout out. Happy six anniversary, Sober Ames. Amy's memoir, My Fair Junkie, is terrific. It's a great read. Um, after reading her story, I was like, "Oh gosh, I only did alcohol and cocaine. I wasn't so bad. Right. I didn't shoot um, shoot." It, Meth into my neck. Into your
4: neck, yeah. That's why. Meth into my neck. That's why she's such a great I didn't dopey guest
2: Twenty days s- straight. Like I, I don't know how that woman's alive, but not only is she alive, but she's thriving and funny, and you know, doing it her own way. I mean, obviously in AA and 12 steps, but she's doing it.
4: You still go to meetings?
2: Um, oh yeah. You, did, I did, love meetings. Does
4: Joe ever go to meetings, or is he done?
2: I don't know. I, mm. Yeah, Joe goes to meetings when he can. He's fine. You know, Joe's But fine. I don't, uh, you know, Joe oh. runs his show and I run mine. Of course. And, but, you know, out here in San Francisco, I've, I've been to a meeting the last three days in a row. I got asked to speak today nice. because I was a visitor and they wanted, you know, when fresh blood comes into a meeting, they always want to hear your story. And I'm always really grateful to hear it or, or you know grateful for the opportunity to to share my story with others.
4: Well, we're super so, grateful that you took the time. I know you're sick and I know it's late and, thank I, you. and I really 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 appreciate you jumping on. No,
2: I'm I appreciate being being on the podcast with you and let me just say that I'm I'm working on my memoir and it's going to be about sex and drugs and TV news and a lot of different things that have happened to me and hopefully some wisdom that I can impart on people who are curious about sobriety, who are trying to get sober, who are sober for anyone who's interested in the disease of addiction and the journey of recovery. And hopefully it will be out next fall.
4: Right on. Very exciting. Right Everybody nation Thanks. should totally look for the Lori Dew memoir. What's the title?
2: Well, it's not – this is not the official title, but if I could name it, it would be News and Booze.
4: News and Booze. <laughs> all right.
2: News and Booze and Laurie Dew.
4: I think that's not bad. Right? <laughs> you know, I like that. And and we should definitely get you to come on again when you're not feeling sick and we're not feeling rushed. Yeah. And no Joe to fuck it all up. So um, I love that. And thank you so much again. And uh, happy fucking sure. New Year.
2: Happy New Year to you too. I wish you – A year full of long, slow sobriety in 2019.
4: Right on, Lori. Thank you so much.
2: Right on. All right. Okay.
4: Take care. Bye. Bye. So that was Lori Dew, big time news reporter, uh, sober for a long time. And now we are lucky to be joined by my beautiful fiance, Linda. Welcome back to the show. Hello. And how are you today?
3: I'm good.
4: Lean, except go,
3: except for looking at your face. You gotta
4: which, go closer to the microphone. Which I'm
3: sure you'll explain to the listeners.
4: Yeah, so big big things happened. Last night, um we fucking hit a million downloads. After the Joe and Lori Do thing, uh we got a million downloads. What do you think, Glenn? It's out
3: of control.
4: What I means out of control? It's <laughs> what do you mean it's <laughs> out of control?
3: It's crazy. A million, that's crazy. That's
4: it's a lot of listens. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? All of those family secrets just traveling over How the internet. How many
3: of those listens were you listening over and over to get the number up?
4: That's what me and Chris used to say. <laughs> we would be like, we would be like, we don't have enough, and Chris would be like, I'm gonna just hit play, 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 play on my computer. But do, we,
3: you, do you do that? No,
4: I've never done oh. that. And I, I think does your dad? So the cat just jumped on the table, and like Linda can't handle it when oh, the cat jumps on the table. It's the only time she yells. I think she gets her aggression out. On the cat. She goes, Get down! Just down. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Get down. But,
4: you, but it's like you think that the cat is gonna know what you're talking about.
3: Well, some animals do learn, that not cat, ours.
4: No, the cat is <clears> stupid. <throat> anyway, uh, a million downloads is a great achievement, and, uh, and I'm very proud of it.
3: So I've said before that I'm okay except for having to look at your face. So can you explain oh why I would even say that so I don't just sound really nasty?
4: I had a traumatic uh, experience today. <laughs> I'll just say this. Last year, I didn't go to the dentist. The year before, I went to the dentist several times. I had some... I think I had a... Did I have a root canal? I had I some know. stuff a couple of years ago, you some You were very fillings. scared to
3: go, though, because you, you were afraid of what they would find. Well, I hadn't, hadn't been. had gone for like a decade. Yeah,
4: I hadn't been for a long time. Then I went back, and they did some work. And then I missed... 2018 at the dentist. Right. I didn't go at all. And, and then,
3: postcards kept coming in the mail saying, you better get back here.
4: I know. And I was like, well, I didn't go for 10 years. And then I went three times. Right. I could miss a year or whatever. And then one and then
3: day. The pain, the pain started. No,
4: I was eating something and my tooth broke. Right, And mm-hmm. I broke a tooth. Which is a the-
3: bad sign if like teeth are breaking.
4: It's terrible. Yeah. It's just a terrible, terrible <laughs> sign. It's like. You fucking... It's like, for me, it's totally like...
3: Well, it's a sign of just not, like, being healthy.
4: Right. And it's a a sign... You know, I I like to think of it like... Because I'm in recovery and I was a drug addict and I am a drug addict in recovery. And I didn't take care of myself for so long that these are like... They call it the wreckage of your past. Right. And they usually talk about, like, finances or, like, losing a job or this or that. But this is, like, serious vestigial wreckage in my mouth and the tooth broke and I was like, that's not good, but I still didn't do anything about it. Well, I
3: knew there was a problem when yesterday I was making oatmeal (laughs) and I'm like, Dave, do you want me to put some nuts in the oatmeal? And he's like, I can't, no, I can't eat nuts. I'm like, why? He's like, my tooth. He's like, my, my, my tooth can't handle it. And I'm like, well, that's a concerning piece.
4: I find that when I eat nuts, even when I don't have this problem with my tooth, that the nuts get into my teeth. You Wait, don't but, find but that when
3: we have normal, healthy teeth, you should be able to eat anything.
4: But do you find that nuts get in your teeth?
3: I mean, no, I don't.
4: Well, my teeth aren't good, and nuts get in my teeth, and I don't. And I also don't think there's much upside to eating nuts. I think peanuts are delicious. Nuts
3: are incredibly healthy.
4: Ugh. I spent a whole life not eating nuts, and then I tried to eat nuts, and I like I tried to get into it, but I don't think they taste that. And then good. your
3: teeth started cracking.
4: Well, no, I don't think my I think my tooth cracked like eating something soft. I think that's eating how, a banana. Yeah, that's how eating
3: the other thing you put in your oatmeal.
4: Yeah, that's how fucked up my fucking tooth was. All
3: right, so let's
4: let's, let's move it along. On, let's get back on. Yeah, to our today. daughter is gonna get off the bus in, in ten minutes. Twelve minutes. So we got right, so to make every second. So
3: his teeth, his tooth cracked. And he went to the dentist today
4: to have no, no, I went to the dentist three weeks ago to have my cleaning, and they took x-rays, and they were like, this doesn't look good. And I was like, well, what do you think you're going to have to do? And they said, I don't know. Maybe we can put a crown on it, put a post, you know, right. do some kind of bridge, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. And I come in today, and the dentist is like- Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob. He's like, we're going to take it out.
3: Right.
4: And I was like, oh. You know, I don't know if you know this, but I had another tooth taken out years ago.
3: I didn't. Why didn't you tell me that?
4: Because it's very embarrassing to have teeth yanked That's out of your Dave head. That's what Dave said
3: when he came home. He said, I'm so embarrassed that I had to have a teeth taken out. A tooth. A tooth taken out. You should
4: be embarrassed that you
3: said a teeth. <laughs> well, I was right. there. Are, now it's teeth. Yeah. Um. Because he said it was, it just, you said that it's just a sign of your history. Like yeah. you really did connect this tooth to being an addict for so long and not, and poor self care and not, you know, staying up on yourself. It's true. And I think that's, you know, I wonder if, if you know, a lot of people feel that way. I mean, our teeth are also a sign of, of are we on top of taking care of ourselves? Like I know like flossing sucks and it's a discipline that it's, that's important, you know? And if you're, if you're like using, or if you have like, like lots of crap going on, the last thing you're going to do on a nightly basis is make sure you floss. You know, these are the things that go out the window first, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's if you were doing that for 10 years, of course you're going to start having your teeth fall out.
4: <laughs> they didn't fall out. They just weakened. They <laughs>
3: To the point where you can't eat certain food.
4: I don't I mean, remember. Like,
3: like a 90-year-old has that problem.
4: I don't remember what happened on the other side. You're really going on with this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think it's weird. Your teeth can't handle nuts, but whatever.
4: Um, when I lived in <laughs> California... I was such a bad junkie, I don't remember what happened with that tooth. I think the same thing happened.
3: Do you think that because of like your horrible sweets addiction, maybe that's playing a role in your teeth problem? It there? can't
4: be helping. Right. Um, so I remember back then in California, I bit something and my tooth split in half also. Yeah. And I had no money. So I had to go to a dental school
3: um, to get
4: the tooth ripped out. And when I...
3: Someone just... You had a student.
4: Yeah. But what I remember of this school, it was like stainless steel walls. I, I remember it being like a dungeon. You know, no light, really dark, right. dirty and gray metal walls. And they fucking crack that shit out of your yeah. head. Like very few meds or whatever. And I went home and I got super high.
3: Right. Well, you a know, lot of times they do give you... It's funny. I told my mom what had happened. And she said well, I hope he told them that he can't take any (laughs) painkillers. And I said, and I was like, I was like, I don't know. I mean, he probably could, you know, that's the thing is you could probably have left there with a prescription. And I wonder how many people get triggered just because they know that going to the dentist often does equal... You know, getting pills, but also I think it's interesting that you were very quick to get nitrous.
4: I wasn't quick to get it. it. But
3: nitrous is a drug.
4: But let me tell you what so happened. So, if you were really, I wasn't quick to get it.
3: Strong with your sobriety. This is what, you what happened. Of, you would he, he fucking nitrous.
4: he says, you know, I and I unfortunately that's I I love nitrous, but that's like, right. I love nitrous. And um, I remember years ago the first time I sat down in the dentist's office to get my uh, cavity filled. The dentist was this weird, smiling Russian man, and he goes, "Have you ever experimented with marijuana and uh, And he said that to me as he was giving me the nitrous, <laughs> and I just died laughing right. and i 'm just hysterical laughing in the dentist chair. Yeah. You know you fast forward to now, and it was like i wouldn 't go to the dentist without nitrous you know my
3: favorite Todd memory that i 'm just thinking of now is when Todd got our house, we all lived together in, up in Oswego on Governor Street, and we all there was like seven of us living together and Todd actually got our house just for a fun night, a gigantic nitrous tank. And we all literally sat on the couch with giant balloons watching The Simpsons. Would he for steal
4: hours. would he steal the tanks from his dad?
3: I don't know I don't know where he got it from. I think he knew like an ice cream man.
4: I don't think ice cream and they use they, nitrous. They, I,
3: I think I don't I don't know why I feel like he got it from I don't think so. An ice cream. I don't think I don't know. So. He didn't steal it from his dad but
4: um, I think, but yeah, so
3: nitrous is, is, I think you're confusing fun.
4: liquid nitrogen with, uh, nitrous oxide.
3: Cause we'll have to, we'll have to we'll, talk
4: more about we'll it. We'll never find out. We'll never know. That's something we'll never find out. Um, anyway, yes,
3: nitrous, nitrous is a lot of fun. Did you
4: have fun on it today? No, no. I'm going to tell you the story. So Dr. Bob, he's like a 65-year-old bald man who's like really high energy, really talkative. And he's like, hey, Dave, we got no problems. They're looking good. We got three things to do this year. It's a project. First thing we're going to do is take that tooth out. And I'm like, oh, no. And I'm very upset. And he goes, then all we have to do is do this and this, and everything's going to be okay. It's not that bad. Let me numb you up. So he takes that fucking long needle, and he starts jabbing me with the needle. He sticks me with it. Four times And he goes Okay I'll be right back In the meantime I've posted The million Downloads On Facebook And Instagram So I'm like As my mouth is numbing I'm enjoying Reading all the All the likes Mm -hmm. And all the Happy Dopey fans Who are so happy As my mouth Gets numb And I feel like Such a loser That my tooth Has to get pulled Because I feel like People who get Their teeth pulled Are I think of hobos I think mm-hmm. of homeless people. I think of junkies. Right. You know what I mean. When you told me your mother had a tooth pulled, yeah, I felt it's much not a better. Judgment.
3: I mean, some people just need their teeth pulled. Ugh,
4: tooth pulled. Uh. Right. And the dentist is like, "You think I want to pull your tooth? I'll make much more money fixing it than pulling it." Ooh, and I was like, true. "You know." But he said, "Look at it in the X-ray. So gray and sad. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucked up. Anyway." So then he goes. He goes. Hold on one second. And he goes in the other room and like a bunch of time passes by and right. he comes back in and he goes, are you numb? And I was like, I'm numb. And he, he, he I was like, well, how are you going to do this? And he goes, well, I'm going to take some pliers and I'm going to oh. rip it out of your head. And I said, okay. Oh. And he takes the pliers and I don't like the dentist. You know, I just don't, I don't like know if
3: anybody would enjoy that experience.
4: Just, the, I don't like them just going in my mouth for fucking anything. Right. I hate it. Right. Anyway. He takes the pliers.
3: The story is. He
4: puts it, it on here. my tooth, and he starts to wrench. And I go, ah! And he goes, what? I go, it's painful. He goes, I've given you four shots of Novocaine. And he go, and he put, he sticks me twice oh. more with the Novocaine. And he like leaves the room again. And he comes back in, and he takes the pliers again, and he sticks it in my my mouth. These pliers, and his arms are like on my shoulder and he's like Rrr. and i'm like ah and and i'm like ah and he goes he goes maybe you need some gas I was like, that's a very good idea. And the the, the the assistant comes in and she puts these nose plugs on there. That, that office is like straight out of 1981. Yeah, and
3: it's like a little bit ghetto, too. A
4: little bit ghetto. It's the <laughs> most ghetto. I go
3: there because it's the only place that <laughs> takes my ghetto insurance.
4: The fucking nitrous nose plugs were like definitely used on many old people right. recently. Like right. I had this musty old person smell up my nose. Did it work? And then she cranks up the gas, and I'm like, oh, my God, I feel nitrous. I haven't felt nitrous in years. Uh-huh. And then he sticks <laughs> his hand in it, and he, and he cracks the tooth. And I'm like, oh, and all of the beautiful nitrous is gone. And I realize all I can do is just endure this terrible, right. terrible thing. Yes. And he spends, I want to say, 30 minutes cracking the tooth Out of my fucking head. And he goes, this is a stubborn one. So he takes this drill instrument and he starts cutting at the bone at my gums because the tooth is so stubborn. And all I could think was I drank a lot of milk and I bet you my, my teeth were very strong. I just don't know why they broke. And and he's just fucking wrenching this thing with all of his might to crack the tooth out of my fucking head.
3: Right. Yeah. Thank you. This story is really hard to hear.
4: Anyway, as, it, as it's over...
3: The swelling went down, though. It well, it's, it's, it's
4: the ice and the, the Advil and yes. whatever. As it's over, I, I, feel like, I feel like I'm leaving detox. I feel totally traumatized. Like, yeah. I feel like... And he's looking at me, and what he thought... You, ta-
3: you sent me, like, a really funny text, and I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> I was like,
1: what
3: the hell is he gonna... What did you say? Wrote, they pulled these. This is I just get this out of nowhere. They pulled my tooth out. It's very painful. I can't talk for a while. I'm going to need to lie down.
4: <laughs>
3: it's like I wrote, okay. You didn't
4: write anything.
3: I did, and then you. all oh, you wrote hello because <laughs> I didn't respond. And then I wrote the next one says, "Do you want a smoothie?"
4: Uh, <laughs> that's what, that. That do you want a smoothie text is six hours later, <laughs> maybe even seven. Um,
3: okay, we gotta go get the, the the daughter from the bus.
4: All right, thank you. To
3: be continued.
4: So the day moved on. We got I got our daughter. Linda went out to dinner. I don't think she's gonna come back in time to to finish the episode. So I figure while I'm still awake, I'm gonna finish it. This has been a very mishmashed episode. Uh, I want to make it clear that sobriety is possible without medicated assistant treatment. Not to say that medicated-assisted treatment doesn't help a lot of people and save a lot of lives. It does. And, uh, and same with weed. You know, if you can handle smoking weed and you're not an addict, you know, good for you. Uh, my friend Jeremy, who was on last week, was a lifelong stoner. And he's got this very uh, beautiful fiancé who's this big-time uh, TV actress. She was actually on Dopey. And, and when Jeremy started dating her, uh, he smoked weed every day. And she was like, I don't know, 20 years younger than him or something, maybe 15 years younger than him, 16 years, who knows. And she was like, I don't mind that you smoke weed. You should just know that people who smoke weed every day rarely get anything else done. And that like fucked with Jeremy's head and he stopped smoking a bud. I don't know how much he's getting done, but that's not the point. The point is... Whatever you guys want to do, you do. This is a show about uh, drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. Me and Chris started the show to laugh at uh, the most ridiculous drug stories we could. And, uh, you know, it's not to point fingers. It's not to say what's right and what's wrong. I just know that I was totally addicted to heroin and pills and methadone. Um, And now I'm not and my life is better. And if you're struggling with opiates or you're struggling with drugs... You know, I was uh, I was on meth, too, and I did a ton of coke, too. If you're struggling with this stuff, it is possible to get well. I believe anybody can get well, and I believe that uh, even though the statistics are horrible, you just need a few things to happen for you in order for it to happen. Now, I'm going to play a voicemail, because we like to play voicemails on Dopey. This is a very, very hardcore Dopey fan. His name is Matt. I'm not going to say his last name. And uh, he sent in another voicemail that was really good. I just didn't play it. That's a problem I have. Like, there's so many voicemails, and I'm so unorganized that it's it's easy to not play any. This is Matt. Here he goes. Thank you, Matt. And if you guys want to hear your voicemail, send in a nice one, five to seven minutes. Make it dopey. We could use some serious drug stories. Uh, But anything is good. So here's Matt.
6: What's up, Dave? What's up, Dopey Nation? This is Matt. Otherwise known as IndyJones4420 On the Twitter Uh, Just thought I'd hit you with a little dopey Got my new phone And the audio recorder is sounding great So hopefully y'all like it Anyways, I'm an IV meth addict From Iowa And I have On December 14th I grabbed 18 months clean So I figured I'd just share with you my first experience With meth Um, I was 16 And we were partying at this really shitty hotel, and we were just experimenting with a lot of drugs in that hotel. Like, I did ecstasy for the first time there, LSD for the first time there, and my buddy brought over some meth, and we decided to check it out, laid out two lines on the back of the toilet stool, like the little tank on the back of the toilet. We did two lines, and got really, really, really high. And I had this weed pipe, and I had a 94 Cavalier. And under the steering column, you could pull down the panel, and we would hide stuff in there. And I had this pipe, this weed pipe, that was homemade. I made it out of a one of them cardboard tubes that go over coat hangers. And I cut a hole in it and put a socket and a screen on it and wrapped the whole thing in, in electrical tape. And it was our go-to pipe when nobody had a pipe. And we called it the Dirty Mexican. Uh, (laughs) And so this pipe never got cleaned for like three years. And we decided the first time we were on meth to bust out the Dirty Mexican and clean it. And we got a resin ball the size of a golf ball out of that thing. And it was just hilarious. And that was the end of the Dirty Mexican. Um, That was my... That was my first time doing meth, and definitely not the last. And on one of my tweaking adventures, I guess, we made up a song called The Five Days of Methmus. and with the holiday season, I would love to share it with you. We could never figure out the other seven days. We just started from five, so... It was like five grams of ice, four cans of Coleman, three fresh rigs, two silver spoons, and a camera in my front yard. Stay strong, Doping Nation. Stay strong. Peace.
4: So thank you, Matt, for the uh, the voicemail. Uh,
6: Thank you,
3: Matt.
4: Linda's back. She just got back from dinner. She decided to finish out the episode, which is very nice.
3: Yes, I I'd like to talk more to Matt about the Dirty Mexican
4: though. What do you want to say about it?
3: I I I'd like to know more about where that name came from. Yeah, like Matt, why why the why the coat hanger pipe was called uh
4: The Dirty, the Mexican. dirty Mexican. Linda curious. Linda's curious with the the ramifications of uh potentially not why do you having hate
3: Mexicans, Matt.
4: Yeah, where's the social justice, Matt? <laughs> but Matt is a big time um Twitter follower, big time of so, Trump. No, of dopey. Oh, of dopey. So I appreciate that. I love, I love the hardcore fans, and Matt's definitely one of them. But the Dirty Mexican Pipe is probably totally racist. Yes. Um. So it's New Year' first episode of the show of the year. Are you excited to 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 be one of the people on the show? I
3: am. I'm very honored. Thank you for having me.
4: Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Linda goes to sleep usually at eight o'clock at night, and uh, and she can never do the show
3: past my bedtime.
4: And so it's nice that she gets to do the show. Yes. Now, I want to tell a quick story uh, regarding one of my heroes, Artie Lang. And two weeks ago, um, Artie had agreed, maybe a month ago, Linda and I went down to Governors. Governors. Governors in Levittown. Governors
3: in Levittown.
4: To see Artie perform uh, comedy. Yes. And um, he was funny. And, um...
3: He was I, good. He seemed like he was healthy and... and joyful. On, on, yeah.
4: At the end of the set, everybody, like, rushed the stage to shake his hand. It was very beautiful, you know? mm mm-hmm. Artie did seem like he had been through something and was on the other side of something. And I wanted to hang out and wait to see him, but time was wasting. We had the baby. We had... Linda's mother was here. Linda gets up at, like, 3 in the morning with the baby, so she was tired. So... As we were leaving, I gave, like, the owner of the club or the manager of the club a dopey ski hat, and we took off. And then later that night, I see Artie tweeted all these pictures of himself in the dopey ski hat. So I'm, like, incredibly excited about Mm. it. And then Artie—me and Artie had texted a little bit, and he had agreed to to do the show. So somehow we had agreed to do it on Christmas Eve day— but, like, that was a... Ter- you know, and, right. and Linda had agreed to let me go on Christmas Eve day until it was, like, the day before. And she's like, you're fucking got to be kidding me. Right. You're not going anywhere. So I got Artie to agree to do it to the day before that, Sunday night in Hoboken, after I worked the 12-hour shift. So at around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I start texting Artie. Mm-hmm. You know, blah, blah, blah. Are we, are we up for it? Let you're me know. him. Yeah, and I probably texted him... You know, every hour, once, and then, as it got closer to me having to leave work, I started like texting twice, and then maybe another one, and then I leave work, and I was like, "Fuck, it's not going to happen." and I said, "I guess it's not going to happen." and he never responded to anything. Right. so I called him and and I didn't expect him to pick up the phone i don 't know why I called him because I have problems, uh-huh. but I called him, and he just answers the phone like this, "Fucking wait, fucking wait." Fucking wait.
3: Well, you pushed him over the edge. Fucking wait.
4: And I said, okay. And, uh, and he hung up. And I walk uh, home. You know, I walk to Penn Station thinking that I'm going to go home. And I'm a block away from Penn Station where I get a text where he says, I can do it at 1045. You know, I think it was 930 or something at night. Right. Can you do it? I mean, it's 930 at night. You know, mm. Christmas Eve is the next day. Mm-hmm. But this is Artie Lang, and uh, if and, I had— And
3: you're obsessed with him, so of course you're going to do whatever it takes.
4: Exactly. So that, that's all true. And, and also, like, not to mention, like, when I have a show done
3: right. on
4: Sunday for Friday, my week is so much easier. Sure. Like, every day, the stupid show haunts me. Like, what am I going to put up this week? Blah, right. blah, blah. You know, today—what is today? It's Thursday night. Right. I post tomorrow. You know, last week I recorded the show Friday night at 11, and then I released it. Right. You know? So it's like a lot of pressure. Like, the week that I got Mark Maron, we recorded on the Monday, and the whole week was like a beautiful week because I had this amazing episode ready, and that's what I thought I was going to have with Artie. But time went by, and uh, and he didn't come through. And he texted that he was sorry, and uh, and that was the end of it. And I came home... And we're wrapping presents for Christmas, and I can't stop talking about how much I wanted to get Artie on the show. Yes. To which you said. Do you remember what you said? <laughs> I don't
3: remember what I say.
4: You said that I I am exploiting Artie Lange. Oh,
3: that's right. That I want yeah. to
4: exploit him.
3: And you said I was right.
4: I think she was right. And.
3: Um, no, I said that that he he's, you know, he has a lot going on. You know, and he just didn't he just got out of treatment and he was just trying and you weren't respecting that. You just wanted to get him on the show.
4: Well, I care about Artie and um, and I like
3: do you, though,
4: I do. I care about him and like,
3: oh, no, I said that he maybe he just needs a little space.
4: Well, he definitely does. But anyway, so so then like. You know, I try to, like, do what Linda says because I think Linda's very smart and and right with this stuff. And, like, I don't know that it's totally exploitative. I think it's more like when Artie comes on the show, it validates the show. When I grew up listening to Howard Stern and listening to Artie, like, it meant something to me. Mm -hmm. So when Artie – you know, when Artie was on with Chris – I didn't even think that was a good episode. Chris was fucking high, and it's, now it turns out Artie was high, too. I was the only mm-hmm. sober person on the show. I
3: thought it was a good episode. It was still a really good episode.
4: Lots of people liked it, but I didn't, I didn't love it. Artie and I, was great. And I just think that, like, if I could get him to sit down and talk slowly and go over stuff. But it's almost stuff. like
3: you want him to be this way with, like, you, you have this expectation of Artie that I don't think is necessarily realistic,
4: Right, it's not. I, I have an you expectation know, if of if you of, want to
3: sit down and have some Barbara Walters. No, 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 you know, like no, 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 with
4: no. I want it to be like the Stern Show. But
3: how he was on his interview with you and Chris is how he is.
4: Like on stage, you mean?
3: It's just, I felt like he was very authentic when he was on Dopey. I feel like that's how Artie is.
4: Right. Well, obviously, that I mean, that's right. Kind but of, I'm
3: saying, so what are you looking for? What you just want to do that again? And again and again and again. Like, what else do you want from him? No,
4: I'm certain. I'm other- certain, and I, and I pay attention to the shows he he does, and I'm just certain okay. that he could go on a show and have like a real conversation that's slow and real.
3: Okay, but my thing is
4: Barbara Walters. How, what, how dare no, you? But
3: you're like like get over Artie Lang. It's like let's be done with him. Like, he's cool, but, like, like you're very—you're, like, obsessed. I know. You're still—like, I feel like we're always talking about him.
4: So, so then—let me just tell you the end of the story. So then, later in the week, he texts me, like—
3: Leave me the fuck alone.
4: No, no, no. He oh. texted me, like, you know that if I came on the show—and he meant, like— In like a hosting capacity because we had talked about him hosting the show.
3: Like
4: he said, you know, if I came on the show, it would be way bigger and a lot of people would die because it would be more of an audience. You know, right now, you know, we just lost a fan of the show, and like he's like, he's like, how do you think that would be for your recovery? And I said, well, you know, being around addiction is actually good for my recovery. It's part of the deal. You know, like that's
3: a pretty intense thing from this.
4: I know. And uh, he's like, I really want to do it. Uh, eventually, uh, I will. You know, I, but
3: what more is there to really to talk so, to him so, about? So, so
4: I think that like I would love to talk about what happened recently with him, but um, okay. but at the end of it all, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're getting like close to the million, and this is I do have a problem. You know, I think what you're saying is right. I'm obsessed with Artie Lang. Um, we're getting close to the million downloads, and like, and my dad is obsessed with the million downloads. My dad is texting me, David. Uh, do you see you're at nine hundred and ninety nine thousand nine hundred and seventy? And I look, and my counter says says three thousand less for some reason. He goes, Oh, it doesn't seem like your counter is accurate. And he sends me the link for his counter, and I was like, Hmm. And I was like, I bet Artie would be impressed with that. So I take a picture of it to send to Artie. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the text doesn't go through. And I was like, wait a second. And uh, and I texted... Did he block you? And then I called him. Uh-huh. And it says, The number you have reached has been changed. And uh-huh. I was like, "Oh!" And I look at Twitter, and he posts that he changed his number. Um, you know, probably because of me bothering him all the time. No, probably because mm-hmm. there's drug dealers and stuff. And like, sure. dangerous things. But like... So now we're going to get back into a phase of our life without Artie, without me hearing from Artie. And I'm very sad about it.
3: Yeah. It'll be okay.
4: You're, you know.
3: It'll be all right. I think you need to give Artie a little space. Yes. Maybe find somebody else to start to. Hassle. Harass. Yes. Who could be your next victim?
4: Well, the thing about Artie that was so good was that he would respond. You know what I mean? The, nobody else that I've harassed responds. But
3: that's, like, such a weird stalker thing to say. Which? Like, the good thing is that he'd actually respond. That
4: is good, though. Like, oh. like it's not fulfilling for me to, like, stalk somebody who doesn't respond. I, I can't keep up with that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, the fact that Artie would respond made it less it's stalky just, and more of, like, a, fr- a friendship.
3: It's not a friendship. Like a deranged
4: friendship. No?
3: Ugh. Well, listen. Let's let's. What else is there to talk about?
4: Well, um, I would like to uh, thank my friend Harold because we played Harold's song at the beginning of the show. Oh, okay.
3: Thank
4: and, you, Harold. Uh, but Harold had something to plug, so we have to plug what Harold wanted to plug. <laughs> Harold wanted to plug, fucking his new band called We Finance Everyone, and his Instagram is at we under slash finance under slash under slash that's the blood clot in my mouth everyone okay. and um all right i guess um you know you don't, i don't think you added that much to this episode
3: you know i don't think you like what i had to say about already but that's it's all good
4: it's all good it's not good at all i got i got a blood clot in my mouth i feel <laughs> terrible um the first show of the year had a million downloads I think the most important thing to say is that anything is possible. And maybe Artie's going to be the new host of Dopey one day. Maybe my obsession with Artie will will it'll lift. Pay,
3: maybe it'll pay off.
4: I don't see it paying off. You know, I don't see that happening. But, all right, I guess we've hit the end of another episode. Wait,
3: I have a question. Yes. Do you have a resolution for 2019?
4: You and I went over resolutions ad nauseum for no. the Dopey Nation.
3: Well, or as our daughter says, revolution.
4: I do. I have, I have several. What's your
3: revolution?
4: My first revolution or resolution is that I'm going to go to the dentist as many times this year that I have to because I'm not going okay. to have another tooth extracted. That's right. my number one resolution.
1: What
4: else? Um, number two, uh, I don't know. I said I was going to start eating better, and I haven't been able to do that. No. You got any resolutions, Len?
3: No, I don't. I'm perfect the way I am. Yes. Um,
4: Before we go, I also want to thank Josh, who uh, who sent in a tune at the beginning of the show. Any musicians out there, please send in dopey music. Keep it short. I love dopey music. If you're an artist, make some dopey art. We love that, too. If you have a good dopey story, send in a good drug story keep it short make it funny that would be great write a review chris loved reviews write reviews for chris i like reviews too just follow us on instagram and twitter and reddit and all that shit facebook whatever and uh before we go i'm going to read um dopey podcast review of the week unless you want to read it lynn you want to read it you want to read it so come over here this one you're gonna love this it's very very positive about me Oh, okay. From here. Start here.
3: Dopey's great. How many stars? Five stars by Num Num Nuts. Can you stop pointing? January 2nd, 2019. Dave is a cool, old school, New York City Jew. Unfortunately, a rapidly dying breed. He's been through the addiction ringer, yet maintains a great sense of humor like most of us survivors. I think it's the only way we get through this upside-down world. Keep up the good work, Dave. You're helping many of us.
4: Here, you want to read this one, too?
3: Exceptional Podcast, five stars by XXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXX December 31st. I started listening to this podcast before Chris died and I'm addicted to it. As someone who mildly... As someone
4: who mildly afflicted.
3: Mildly afflicted, I appreciate the war stories as well as the hope that Dave represents. Losing Chris was a shock and hurts us all, but Dave is really interesting and resilient in his quest to prove that sobriety is the best way to live. I highly recommend this podcast. Thanks, Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom.
4: And then read this one.
3: Which one? Love to you. Love you too, Dave. Yes. Dave and uh, five stars. Okay.
4: By the only black dope. By
3: only black dope. Dave and Chris really feel like friends I've known for so long. they become a major part of my recovery. Losing Chris was very painful being he helped me get sober. Dave, you are like a brother and I'm glad to have you in my network. And thank you for what you are doing. I love you and I love dopey. Hope we can actually get closer. Wow, this is, like, very, very intense. Hope we can actually get closer as you continue to be a major part of my life with this wonderful podcast. My favorite podcast. I'm, I'm afraid Only Black Dope might be, like, looking in our windows right now.
4: Only Bla- I talked to Only Black Dope this week, and Only Black Dope is not sober. And Only uh, Black
3: Dope's a little too in love with Dopey.
4: <laughs> he loves Dopey. What do you want? Okay. Um Yeah, what what do you, what do you, it's like, (laughs) why can't people like the show? Linda, Linda doesn't like the show as much as you guys, just so you know.
3: No, no. No? No, I do. All
4: right. Um, Only Black Dope is like out there fucking using in Maryland, so get it together, my friend. Get it together, Only Black Dope. Get it together, you're going to stay, or you can do what uh, Joe Schrank said and be on medicated assisted treatment for the rest of your life. But, you know, I digress. Let's end this episode on a happy note. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris, and Happy New Year, and May 2019 be better than 2018.
3: Happy New Year. Toodles for Chris. I just want
4: to apologize for Linda. <laughs> she, she doesn't usually stay up this late, and like she went out to dinner with her brother, and she just came back, and it's mm-hmm. way past her bedtime, and, and she doesn't like me asking her questions on the spot. So, okay. Linda, have a nice good night. Good night, all. You feel satisfied with that. So everyone wish Linda the best and happy new year and stay strong. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any
0: good until I get some money in my pocket. Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood, but I want to be good so bad. I wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good, so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch those airplanes just pass me by. And I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive, just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I wanna bad want to be so good so bad so bad i want to be good so bad bad desires all i ever had and my shadows getting smaller and smaller and it's time to where i stand shadows getting smaller and smaller and it's time city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds because peace and love are very 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 hard to find and I want to be good so bad I want to be good so bad so bad I want to be good so bad bad desires all I ever had damn it, all these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad, and I want to call my dad. And it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had. And I want to call my dad, and it's all I
1: ever had, and it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had.